Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Richard Geiger, and right across from me is yet another host, Mr. Ken Seymour. Hello, hello. And if you're watching us on Twitch and you can't see, right across from us is our guest for tonight. Hello. Miss Janice Constantine. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here with us. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, so in case you folks out there don't know... What exactly? So tell us, just top to bottom, Okay. what you do. Title, responsibilities, all those all those fun things. Hidden benefits. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so um, I am one of the assistant women's basketball coaches here at Indiana University. Um, I just completed my third year here, and I... Um, I guess certain responsibilities, uh, I work with the guards primarily, um, I do a lot of the recruiting, um, kind of some of the, me and another, we all recruit, like we all, but from the organizational standpoint, um, our assistant, Rhett, he's probably, he's the lead recruit in terms of the organization, and I, if you wanted to call me, I guess it's a little co-partner in terms mm-hmm. of that, but just helping them with kind of some of the organization and phone calls and talking to coaches, getting kids to camp, like all that entails in recruiting, getting high school schedules together, AU schedules together. So that probably takes up um, a lot of our time, just depending on what part of the season we are. Like now that we don't have any games or anything, recruiting takes up pretty much all of our responsibilities right now because a lot of our all of our kids are gone home. Um, but then when they get back, uh, obviously that's when the development developmental part starts so work with a lot of the guards do a lot of the on-court um, workouts with our other assistant glenn box he um, primarily leads a lot of the workouts and i'm there to help him in any way shape or form um and anything else that really kind of falls in my lap i mean a lot of the player um coach relationships that i deal with um and really wherever i'm else needed to serve you know i'll help with but in terms of my key responsibilities it would be i'd say working with the guards recruiting and then obviously scouting and game prep i do a lot of that too for the season okay so when it comes to things like recruiting Mm -hmm. um do you think your collective of the assistant coaches do because i feel like in, in most sports a lot of the assistants are like the ground like they're the ones that do a lot of the recruiting Mm -hmm. and head coaches of course like it's their job to recruit as well Mm -hmm. that's what they get hired to do Mm -hmm. amongst other things but is is that am i I thinking about this right the assistants do a lot of like the leg work initially yeah so we when i say we do the bulk of it doesn't diminish anything coach martin does she's she's a phenomenal recruiter we just do a lot of the leg work on the net like she doesn't have to worry about where they're playing and what time they're playing and stuff like that. Like we give her all that she doesn't, and she wants us to start kind of recruiting as young as we do in terms of like, you know, we got uh, our recruiting list right now is all the way to kids going into sixth or seventh grade. You know, we'll have names for them and then a bigger list for eighth grades. And then I was in their freshman high school, like a lot of, we have a long list of kids. And so that's where we do a lot of the work. Um, just in terms of all that, so all the information gathering, Coach Martin didn't have to do that, but us, so me, my, so myself, Coach Red and Coach Box, we do a lot of that groundwork um, to get it all together, and then Coach Morn is definitely on top of, especially some of our top kids, like the relationship building, talking to them, getting to see them, and things of that nature, but she doesn't have to worry about the 
the the where the wins and the whys yeah. <laughs> you know that's what she has hired us to do um for her perfect so yeah. i i i've got to ask you so like the last you said the last three years you've been there but mm-hmm. like the last has it been the last three four years the iu women's basketball team like the victory totals have been a lot better than what they were previous yeah so coach warren has done a phenomenal job since she's been here i believe she's going into her sixth year and i'll be going to my fourth year she was here two years and i wasn't here in her first year um it was rough i mean they were kind of getting that getting the groundwork going um and so the wins losses weren't really there in terms of reflection of what she wanted then her second year they actually went to the ncaa tournament um they went to the second round um and beat georgia and they lost to notre dame and then here my year comes, um, and her going into her third year, we went to the quarterfinals of the WIT, lost to Villanova at home, and then last year in Coach Moran's fourth season, we won the w- whole WIT championship. Um, and then this year we as well we went to the NCAA tournament, went to the second round, we beat Texas. Um, then fell short to Oregon. And so the trajectory has definitely um, – so Coach Moran is obviously in her last five seasons. We've been a four postseason appearances, two NCAAs, um, and that was – it's been a, a definitely a shift from what it's um, had been in the past. And I think what people had known Indiana women's basketball would be about, it wasn't very relevant. Yeah. You know, a lot of the history that has been built on Indiana, when you think of basketball, has been on the men's side. Um, and so we're trying to get that started. And I, I think we've gotten it started. Now it's going to be about sustaining it. Um, and that's where actually the hard part comes in. Getting there is kind of, you know, you, you work hard and things of that nature. And sometimes you um, sometimes you say you quote-unquote get lucky. I don't think we've been lucky because I think we worked really hard. But now the sustaining aspect of it, you know, continue to get great top recruits in here, continue to work to a high level, um, continue to build a culture that we want um, to be around every day, um, that's where it gets hard. And that's where you look at the dynamite programs who have done it. And so that's kind of where we're trying to get to. Well, I think it goes back to recruiting at that point in time then too, because the first couple years it might have been harder to bring girls into the program. But now people that can see, I mean – Let's be honest. Success drives that. Yeah, drives the bodies in. A Absolutely. Bit more, so. Absolutely. Like we've been able to since I've been here. I mean, we've been able to sign some really, really good players. And at the end of the day, that's really what it takes. You know, is is we're we're decent coaches. <laughs> I call it, but we have great players. Um, it makes you even a better coach. And not only. Do I think we have great players? But I think we have great players that work really hard, and we have great players that buy into what we want, and we have great players that want to compete at a high level. Um, but since we've been here, I mean, we've been able to sign a couple five-star recruits, you know, that hadn't happened in the past. Um, gotten some missed basketballs, um, all the, some McDonald's All-Americans, and things of that nature. So success has does drive that, you know, and it kind of helps now when you call kids and not like, Indiana who? Like what? Yeah. You know, they kind of – I saw you guys on TV. I saw you guys beat Texas. I saw this. I saw that. And so that part's been really cool. But, again, it's still – we still battle a lot. You know, obviously, um, you still have your power. I mean, Notre Dame just went to two back-to-back finals games. They won, won it last year. And so just in our, in our state alone, you know, we still battle um, things like that. And so it's still – I mean, you have a lot of top programs in the country who have – who have had that success of 10 years to 20 years and things of that nature, you know. Um, And so there's still a battle, you know, that we have to continue to fight every day. But we're also about bringing in the right kids. And we want our culture to be solid and strong. And so we do a lot of, 
you know, weeding out, you know, we do some weeding in, you know, and sometimes you take a maybe not so highly rated and things of that nature, kids, um, but they turn out to be really freaking good because mm-hmm. they work, you know, but they're the kind of kids you want to be around every day. And that's a big part of, of what we do. So you're talking about bringing in the right kids and you mentioned that some of the prospects you start looking into fairly early. Mm-hmm. What kind of information are you really kind of looking for at that point? Is it, is it a strictly kind of a numbers thing? We're just kind of mm-hmm. keeping track of what they're producing. Right. Or is it more of, I kind of want to see the, the type of personality that's being developed by this. So when they're really young, you kind of, you, you, do, you do look for a talent, um, like foundation. You know, you want to see... I think when you're that long, you know, obviously height usually gets the first advantage. Um, when I say body size, you know, the muscular, you know, they look, they are they athletic, you know, run, jump, things of that nature, um, kind of pedigree. Maybe they have parents who were professionals or played in college and things of that nature. So when they're that young, that's kind of the assessment. You know, it's kind of hard to judge their true character because hopefully, I mean, you hope they mature. Mm-hmm. And then you can, they're just a straight knucklehead then. <laughs> we'll probably pass. But, you know, if they do little silly things like that, and but they're 12 and 13, you know, and that's how young that I've talked to kids on the phone before, you know, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you guys you haven't even opened a middle school locker, and we're talking about coming to visit a college campus, you know. And so you, you look for that kind of talent foundation. You know, they got, can they shoot a little bit? Can they, do they compete? Do they play hard? Do they love the game? You know, I think those are the little, the little things that we look for. And then as they continue to progress, um, a lot of it's based on talent and is the talent continuing to traject in the way that we want it to. You know, we always tell kids at the end of the day, when we recruit and when we offer scholarships and things of that nature, it's on a contingency of we're offering you maybe a spot to play here at Indiana, but it's also with <laughs> the the promise kind of to us from you that you'll continue to get better and you'll continue to work on your game. You know, that it just because you're offered a scholarship let's say as a freshman, if you don't continue to work, you know, that scholarship may no longer be on the table um, just because we, we haven't seen the progression that we need to um, from you. So it's kind of hit and miss, and it kind of and it, it changes, you know, depending on the age, depending on the time, depending on what we need. You know, our roster is constantly changing. Um, like right now we have 15 players, you know, and so we're kind of maxed out of the capacity. And, um, but every year that could change, you know, and where we're looking at a one kid – now we may not be later and something else may change. You know, we may need a post player. We may need a guard. We may need a shooter. And so their roster is continuously manipulated depending on what our needs are as well. So does that also mean that you kind of start to develop relationships with the schools as you're going through? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's a big part of it, you know, and I think especially like for me, and really our whole staff, when they're that young, the parent, the relationship with the parents is really important. You know, especially like far too male coaches, you know, they're like, you know, they're as two males, they're on the phone with a 12 and 13 year old. Like, that's kind of like not always the best look, you know. And so you want to make sure that relationship with the parent is established first, you know. And that's where sometimes I kind of come in as the female, you know, I may take over some of the younger kids. That way, you know, at least it's a female to female talking to a younger um person but i still talk to the parents as well because i just feel that's the it's the right thing to do you know as as future parents you know i think about 
would I want an adult talking to my 12 and 13 year old on the phone promising them certain things and I don't know what's going on. So that's one of the first things that we always do is we always try to get mom or dad or whoever that guardianship may be on the phone early to establish that. And then as they continue to get older and every parent's different. Some parents are really, really protective over the recruiting process, you know, and really and want to be and they won't let you talk to their kid. You know, they do it all. Some parents are a little more, okay, let's do, let's both be on the phone. Some parents are like, you know, I'll give them the phone. They can handle it. I'll be in the back. And they'll have no speakerphone. Some parents let their kids go. You know, and they usually typically see that once they've reached high school. You know, when they really let their kids go. But some of them, too, parents know. They know their kid's not going to say a word, you know, and so they kind of try to, you know, uh, get, you know, push them in the right direction and try to be the spearhead of that conversation. So every situation is so different and it's never a it's never black and white. You know, it's always a gray area of how things are done. So you just kind of take every relationship, every kid for what it's worth and just try to be as genuine and real as possible. That's kind of what we pride ourselves on here in Indiana. You're going to get the real from us all the time. We're not going to try to put on a show or game because that's not what you're going to get when you get here. And then you'll just want to leave, you know. And so we try to give them that early in the relationship building. So I guess my question also then stemming from that kind of pertains to the facilities, mm-hmm. right? So that's got to be a big, a big selling point. The, the campus, mm-hmm. the atmosphere, the coaches. Yeah. Are you going to get to play? But tell me a little bit about how or what has been, how, what's happened to the facilities on campus. Maybe that's kind of helped you out from a recruiting standpoint. Right. So I think for one, for us, where we spend majority of our time is in Cook Hall and Assembly Hall, um, and right now one of our biggest benefits that we feel like we have in cook hall is that we each have we each have a practice course so the women have one and the men have one so cook hall the way it was designed it's literally kind of an even building and it's split down the middle so everything that we have the men have and vice versa if whatever they have we have the only thing we share is a weight room and it's just for men's and women's basketball. And then we share a training room. But everything else is um, split down the middle. And we each have our own practice court. It's open 24-7. So our kid, never, our players never have to worry about a conflict. Like they don't have to worry about is volleyball practicing. Is there, you know, is there a, a hockey um, game? Or is there a concert going on? Like if our kids want to go shoot at 10 p.m., they go shoot. They want to come shoot at 10 a.m., they come shoot. You know, and so that's probably our biggest benefit. People love that when they come in here because not all places have that, not even at the highest level. Um, so that's a big benefit. Um, over at the Wilkinson um, Center, uh, old to what people refer to as the North End Zone, um, and now they built the South End Zone part of it. Um, there's a really, really nice weight room, second largest in the country, that we utilize a lot. Um, throughout the summer to train, we run a lot of stadiums over there, um, push sleds, run on the football field. I mean, it's all kind of training that we can do that we that we don't have space for um, over in Cook. Um, but I would say that's a, a pretty big benefit for us. And people love the privacy of just men's and women's basketball, that we don't share that facility with a bunch of other sports. Not that, again, anything's wrong with people that do. It has its um, every situation I think has its pros and cons, but for us, I think a lot of recruits love that part of the facility. And our offices are right upstairs, so they can work out, they can come say hi, and then they can leave right and go to class. And for the freshmen, their dorms are a 30-second walk across the street where they study, another minute across the street, so it's a very convenient location as well. 
That's nice. So you have you have an office upstairs. What? How much time you spend in that office? It depends. It depends on the day. You know, some days are, are I'm in the office way longer than others. Some days I feel like I haven't sat down at my desk. <laughs> and I, you know, and so like for the summer, like in uh, June, July, I'll spend probably very little time at my desk because we'll be on the court a lot doing workouts. Um, so I like typical today like they'll start working out in the morning they'll go lift they'll go run stuff like that they'll do that in the morning and they'll come over to cook maybe a little break in between then we'll have different workouts and for the kids you know they may only have one workout well we got five or six of them that we may have to run you know and so we're on the floor a lot during the day and i may be able to go up run upstairs real quick come back down run upstairs come back down but it's very rare that i'm at my desk for a long duration but during the season we're working on scouts and game planning and meeting and things like that i'm probably in my office a little bit more before practice and then we go to practice and then a little bit after practice as well so every day is different and every time of season is different for us okay um so so tell me about the scouting process once the season rolls mm -hmm. around so like you're going to start playing all these non-conference games yeah. at the beginning of the season like, are you just like, I got to go get, like, hundreds of hours of tape, right? And watch, like, all these teams. Is that, basically, is that what it is? Basically, you know, our um, that's one of the things from, and I, kudos to Coach Moore for this because she's really, really big and a stickler on game prep. You know, she wants to go into game prep and wants no surprises. You know, we want to make sure we've done our due diligence to make sure our kids are as prepared as possible. You know, so for us – that legwork is a lot on the front end. I mean, you watch multiple games, and then you watch multiple small clips, and then you watch personnel clips, and then you'll watch baseline out of bounds. You'll watch sideline out of bounds. You watch into game situations. You watch after timeout situations. You know, it's so much that goes into um, a game plan. What are they? Are they running something after a free throw? You know, um, <clears throat> what, what kind of what kind of things do they – and then you got to plan defense, and it's defensively and offensively, you oh, yeah. know. So you want to look at – not only am I looking at, okay, what kind of plays are they running and things like that, and like what are they doing defensively? What do they do, you know, with, with a, maybe a big lineup? What do they do with a small lineup? What do they do in the last minute of a game? You know, how many overtime games do they play? I mean, it's so much that kind of goes into um, – a, a game and, and coach is really big like for us especially in conference like we'll go back and we'll watch what have they done us last year you know maybe what's the trend that they've done for us in the last couple of years you know have we seen a triangle in two have we seen a box in one you know and so um it, it's a lot it's a lot that goes into that's where majority of our time is spent during the year is scouting um we still do recruit um but that probably becomes I'm not gonna say a lesser priority because that's not the right word and you just have to find a huge balance <laughs> yeah. and you have a lot of help um, because you don't want to sacrifice losing games to go recruiting so like we don't our staff we don't recruit we don't miss games to go recruiting some staffs do um, they'll send one assistant out to go watch games we don't coach Moore is not a believer in that uh, we we miss practice but it's rare I mean she's very strategic try to find off days and things like that where you can go. So, like, for us, let's say our kids have an off day. It's usually not an off day for us because we go recruit, recruit, you know. And so we try to find different days like that because, like I said, Coach Moran loves all four of us there. She wants her and her three assistants because we each bring something different, you know, to practice, whether it's energy, whether it's details, whether it's yelling, <laughs> whether it's running drills and things of that nature. And so when one person is usually missing, not that something falls off, you can just feel that void. You know, and our players usually know. They're like, where's Coach 
such and such, you know, why is he or she not here? And so, you know, they want us there as well. And I think it, it goes into the buy-in. You know, you tell mm-hmm. a if I've promised you as a parent that your child's going to get this, this, and that from us, and then they never see me because I'm gone recruiting the next one all the time, then it's kind of hard for them to really, you know, have that buy-in, especially come game time. I haven't been at practice a whole week, and now I'm trying to tell you what to do come game time. I don't even know what's going on, yeah. you know. And so yeah. it, it, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with that. And like I said, our kids, I think we've seen a total buy-in from them as well because of it because they know we're fully committed and invested as well. So with the scouting that you do, mm-hmm. right? So I, I feel like a lot of basketball we've seen, uh, I'll, I'll call it the, the Steph Curry effect, right? Okay. So that's trickled down to the college game a little a little bit. Do you see that? Ha, has that gone to the women's game a little bit as well too? Like in, in all this, like the scouting that you've done the last few years, you see a change in how people are approaching offense? Um. Yes and no. I think the... Maybe the freedom that players are having is a little different. I think the talent pool continues to grow. Um, There are multiple good players on a team, you know, and for as much as defense is, is, you know, wins championships and all that kind of stuff, it's, it has its place, <laughs> but the game is totally changing, and, and people can score, you know, and it's hard. Even as a, a – you can make a great defensive team. It's really hard to just hold a great offensive player down, you know, because on a best player's night, you think of a Steph Curry. I mean, on his off night, he's still, what, got 20, mm-hmm. you know, unless that's at the pro level, but even at our level, like, you know, in the Big Ten, I think you know, the best player this year, she was really good. She was both players. She averaged, I think, almost 27. But let's say on average, I mean, you got players. Averaging in the mid twenties, you know, you, then you're the kind of next year they're all around like eighteen. You have ten players doing that, and so on their worst night, I mean, they're still getting like fourteen, fifteen points, which is you know um, pretty solid. And so uh, your game plan has to be a little different because there are going to be multiple things thrown at you, you know. And so we're spending a lot of time how to guard fifty different actions because you know it's coming and you want you want to be prepared for it, you know. And not that it happens all before the game. I mean we lead up to you have your thirty days in practice, so you lead up so we've practiced couple different ways to guard ball screens and pin downs and flare screens and things of that nature like that so um and the rules favor offense anyway absolutely (laughs) so it's it's hard to be aggressive and play tough and get up and denying you know and stuff like that so yes you y'all will say the Steph Curry effect does has happened but um you still you, you you find a way to maybe neutralize you know we don't go into any game and like oh my god she just let her just get her 30 and we'll, nah, we don't do that. Nah, we, somebody's averaging that much. We're trying to find a way to, you know, okay, maybe we can't go from 25 to zero, but how can we go from 25? Okay, how can she get 16? You know, how can she, you know, things like that. Or how can we make every basket tough, you know, and stuff like that. And we've played some great players, you know, as we see throughout the season. So so you've done all this prep at, before the games and, and the girls have practiced, and you're on the road, and you're playing, how often do you run into, not just necessarily an individual player or or something of that nature, but a form of offense or defense, something that just catches you by surprise? How do you tend to react uh, when something like that happens? I will say just because of the... So non-conference and conference may be a little different. So... Non-conference, you're probably maybe a little more likely to see 
something thrown at you that you haven't seen um, just because you don't play that team all the time. So for most parts, but like conference, coaches have their different, they have their strategies and they have their game plans and coaches not changing their offense every year. So you know when you go play – let's just say Wisconsin, they're going to run some chin offense. You know, you knew when you were playing Iowa this year, they were going to run like a triangle with making their best post player inside and everybody's going to play around. And so you kind of know, and they're not changing that, you know. Um, and so we kind of know, we know if we're going to come play, and we joke with our friend on the road, Michigan State, they're going to run 150 sets. Purdue is going to run like 250 sets. So you kind of know, non-conference, you could be throwing some surprises just because you may not have ever played that team. You know, like we're going to go play, um, we're going to go to the Virgin Islands this year and play um, South Carolina, Baylor, and um, Washington State. We've never played any three of those teams since I've been here. You know, and so it would be kind of something new. But you, 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 it's a, you, you're making a quick adjustment. I mean, there's really nothing made up in the game you haven't seen. And I'd consider our coaching staff pretty more vets savvy, and so we can make quick adjustments on the fly. And what we've done this year, honestly, too, as we were prepping and our kids were watching film and we were um, on the floor walking through things, we would go over maybe some maybe scenarios. So we sometimes we spend two, three minutes, okay, if this happens, this is how it will be our quick adjustment. Or, you know, we plan to guard this ball screen like this, but let's say they've scored three straight times and we need to go to this. Let's do this. So our kids weren't in the game like, what are we doing? We've never seen that. You know, we always have tried to spend a little bit of time preparing for that too. So nothing is just you do it right on the fly. Like, if let's say, for example, if we've never worked on trapping a ball screen, we're not going to all of a sudden come out of the game and start trapping it, no matter what is happening. Yeah. But with something that we've worked on to prepare for maybe a maybe situation or something like that, if that answers your question. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's kind of how we would take a, go about that. Well, and to kind of go with that, it always seems like it, and at least in basketball, mm-hmm. like you said, it's, it's, there's not a lot of new stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's all been done. So it tends to come down more to execution and, and how do you play. Absolutely. How much does the mental status of the team kind of affect that? And how do you handle it? Because, I mean, you've always heard of uh, players going into a funk mm-hmm. and having a difficult time. Yeah. Is that more of a myth or is that a real thing? And how do you kind of bring No, it it's absolutely real. You know, the mental part of the game is – we tell our kids as much time, as much as they prepare physically, they have to prepare mentally. As much as we talk about getting up shots and, and the extra work, we want them to get equally as much as amount of rest. You know, we got a player on our team now. If she doesn't get a lot of rest, she's no good to us. You know, but she loves to just work, work, work. And we're like, you know, you have to have that balance. And then I think the mental part for us is something our team actually did a pretty good job of this year. At times, we struggled at different moments, but you know, we were we started off the season eleven no, ten and 0, 10 and zero, and then we took a we took a <laughs> uh, what's the word I wanna use? I'll call it a traumatic fall. We we lost to a team that nobody really kind of expected us to, but kudos to them they came out and they played super hard. They didn't care who we were. So we lost to them. We were Gram- grambling, yeah, grambling. So they they came out and kicked our butts. I mean flat out our kids weren't ready. I think our kids kinda of took them for granted as well. Um, and so we lost them. So we were 10 and 1. So we were down in Puerto Rico. And, you know, I don't even know if what what our kids expected us to even be 10 and 0 at that point. But they're rocking and rolling. They're feeling good. I think 10 and 0 too got a little cocky. Probably needed to be knocked down a little bit. We had to have real checks. We lost to Grammarly. Um, and so that was our probably our first biggest mental test because um, we had to turn around 
and play a South Dakota team who was really, really, really good at that point. They had been ranked at that point, top 25. Um, and we knew that was going to be a very quality win for us. And that ended up coming back when it was time for selection Monday for us. It came back to be a really high-quality RPI win for us. Um, and so, you know, you think about it. You know, you're in Puerto Rico. You're having fun. You're feeling good. You're telling you, you lose to Grambling. And, I mean, our, our kids – I mean, we had I mean, we had to get ourselves together because – we got long faces. We upset. You mad. You hurt. You angry. You can't believe it. It's just all kind of emotions going on. But you got another game tomorrow. You know that's the one I, I joke with my husband about. The one thing about basketball and football is if they if they lose, they got a whole week. They got to go and <laughs> worry about that. You know, or win. You know, you got a whole and this and this long. But for us, I mean, basketball it, games come quick. You know, you so you have to have a tremendous. Ability to be able to, uh, to to move on to the next, and that's what our kids had to do to play South Dakota. And we ended up winning. Um, we came back, and, and I give them a lot of credit because they bounced back hard, you know. So we won that. Then we started off conference, you know, and we're three and oh, four and oh, can't remember, four and oh. Uh, beat Michigan State at home, you know, they had just beat Oregon, they had nothing to do all this kind of stuff, and so again, they're feeling good, you know. And we were going to Ohio State, and had never won there, and I think, again, our kids were feeling good, and we got popped in the mouth right at Ohio State. And so then we went on a little bit up and down streak, you know, and then so every game when we just talked about that bounce-back ability, like how are you going to respond? You can tank it, you know, you can keep pulling through. And then our biggest our probably adversity throughout the season where our mental toughness had to be really checked is we lost our point guard um, uh, in the Minnesota game. Allie went down with a shoulder injury, um, and then we lost that game, and then we lost three straight. And, you know, it was at that point we were like, what do y'all want to do? You can throw in the season. We can call the quits. We can be back in the W.T. You guys all had to talk about NCAA. We can find a way to figure this out. Um, Allie comes back, and we beat Iowa with a top 10, top 10 win in the country. That was pretty huge for us. Yeah, and they so, had a really good they had a really good, oh, amazing player. Amazing, yeah, amazing. She, we called her. We had, we went around, called her the goat of in college of post players. She was really good. I mean, she was top in the country. She was Naismith Player of the Year. I mean, we had the best player in the country in conference, um, and we beat them. And then we went on and uh, got to win the Big Ten tournament and things of that nature. So kind of, you know, so that mental toughness for us is huge. I mean, these kids have to have a tremendous amount of putting their pride aside. You know, we have players who. Might played a lot one game, didn't play a lot. You know, different game plans call for different things. And so um, for us, that mental part, we talk about that a lot with our kids. And it's something that we try to focus on probably daily. And even in their training. So we'll do a lot of mental stuff in the summer, preparing for them, putting them in tough situations, putting them in things that they feel like they can't do, can't accomplish, and just to see how they, you know, respond. Were you guys uh, sweating a bit come selection time? <laughs> like the because the conference record was well eight eight and eleven. Yeah, we were. But the we non conference were, yeah. was pretty strong. You had some yeah. some good some good opponents like right. so the strength of schedule in the off the, the uh, absolutely conference was better too. Yeah, absolutely. So we actually so when you look at I guess where we fin because we actually finished tenth in the conference which. Coming in, we never, we didn't think we were going to be there. You know, um, we thought we had a really good team, and we thought we'd be towards the top. And so you look, you finish tenth. Uh, we and we were. I'm not gonna lie, we were sweating. I mean, we knew. So after we beat Iowa, which we knew we gave us a high quality. I mean, top ten, great RPI. You know, that's one of the things the selection committee looks at. They look at your top 25 wins, and they look at your top 50 wins. Those are two pretty biggest criteria. 
look like wins on the road, things of that nature. But then they also look at some bad losses, you know, and so um for us we you know, we kinda and Coach Red, he's kind of our mastermind on staff. He usually has all that stuff played out, numbers, all that situations, but um, we, we we beat Iowa, we go to Northwestern, we lose, and we beat Purdue at home. So we knew going into the conference tournament, you know, we picked 10th, and we drew Minnesota first, they were 7th, and Minnesota had just beat us a couple mm-hmm. weeks before that at home, and that was when Allen went down. We knew that was a must-win for us. If we didn't win that game, we're automatically going back to the WNIT. Um, so our girls knew it, and that it was no, there was nothing else really we could say. We don't, we don't try to gimmick our kids. We don't try and fluff them. We tell them no straight. No, we I mean it is. Here's the standings. Here's the result. Like, and this is what you have to do if you want to get to where you say you want to get to. And so they knew, and they came out, and they 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 put it on them, and we beat Minnesota, and then we get we end up falling short to Iowa in the second round. But we, we felt like we had enough quality wins. Like I said, you know, we had beat Michigan State. We beat Iowa. You know, you beat the South Dakotas. Um, Butler had done pretty well. I mean, we beat UCLA at UCLA um, early in the season. So we felt like we had enough. But it was still come a lot of sweat come that Monday. Unfortunately, um, I don't know how much you guys knew. There was a leak, actually, in the women's bracket yeah, this got, year. Yeah, it got thrown up on uh, it did. ESPN2, It did. Too, so maybe. they were doing something with the men's selection show on Sunday, and all of a sudden something happened, and the women's bracket got released, like, in the background. And, of course, you know, people are watching, so something happened to where somebody got a hold of it and took pictures, and then they released the whole thing on Twitter. So that was a big buzz. So the selection show was supposed to be at 7. You know, we kind of had a party. I wouldn't say a party. But we had some plans. We were going to have some media people there. We had plans. Our girls, our team, everybody was there to watch. And so I see the leak get out. And somebody texted me like, congratulations for getting in. I was like, what are you talking about? And then they sent me that. And I'm like, what is this? You know, and then so, of course, you get on Twitter. It's all right there. You start seeing it. You know, we're... Even Coach, we text Coach Morning. She's like, "Whatever, that's not, what are you guys talking about?" So, any long story short, they had to bump in the emergency selection show up. So they went from like seven to like five, five thirty. You know, we got. I mean, and then it and it sucked because one, some some of our kids' first times being yeah. in it. You know, we had kids at home. Coach Morning was at home feeding her dogs. Like it, we were everywhere, and so everybody had to rush back, get back, and so we knew we were in. Um, Did you act nervous? I will yeah. say this yeah. though. I will say it was funny. Well, it'll be happening. It was still one of those things that you knew from the leak, but you still like in the back of your mind, like, is this leak true? Like, what if this leak ain't yeah. true? You know, and so, so you actually like, it, right? and so I, I started looking like, okay, as a, I'm looking at, as they call as it lined up with the leak. And so what happened was the funny part about it is though we were the second to last team to get called. And we all said, if we didn't know, I was like, man, I'd have, been, I'd have broke out in hives or something. Like, I don't know what. I, I've been so nervous. And I really do think our kids, even though they kind of knew, I, they were genuinely excited. I was excited. That was my first time in the NCAA tournament as well. So I think it was a genuine excitement that came about when they saw Indiana across the screen. I, I think it would have been probably even more had they not known. Yeah. Um, but it was still a very exciting time. I think every kid that comes to college dreams of that. Um, time where they see their name across the screen. And again, for us now, excuse me, you know, we want to get to that point where that's just a given for us. You know, all we're doing is kind of 
sitting back and seeing where we're going. Are we a three-seater? Yeah. No, absolutely. So that's our, you know, that's one of our goals coming into this year. We talked about it a lot um, in our postseason meetings. I think we kind of had that goal last year, but I don't think all of our kids knew, like, what that meant. And so what we talk about now is we want to be a top-four seed. We want to host the first round. So in women's basketball, it's a little different than men's. In all four divisions, the top four seats host the first two rounds. So, like, we went out to Oregon. We played on Oregon's home court. And it was a huge advantage for them, in which they earned it. Like, they had did the work early, getting the wins, having the record. You know, a team like Big Ten, like Iowa got to host. You know, Notre Dame got to host. NC State gets to host. And most of the teams, I believe, from the women's side, it might have been one. No, there was one upset because um, I know Iowa State got upset. Um, but it's very rare. To have those, I mean, a lot of those women seem to go one through four, make it to Sweet 16. You know, so that's a goal for us this year. Like, we want to host. But it's a lot of work that goes into it. I tell you, you can't go, you can't go lose to the Grammys. You know, you can't go, you can't lose those games. Like, I'm going to do a project, actually, uh, where I look and see what the records were of all the top 16 teams um, to see what it was. Because, I mean, they, I mean, at the most, I think Iowa lost, like, five games. I mean, it's not a lot. Like, you can't be messing around. You know, you got to be a strong and attendance and all that kind of stuff matters and things of that nature. But I, I'm, when I saw the 13,000 for us at W9T, I'm not worried about our fans not coming out supporting us if we get a chance to host. So um, I think it's a big deal. You know, and that's the kind of – we're setting our sights high now, um, but we know we got to work for it. All right. Cool. So, okay, we're going to backtrack a little bit. Okay. Here, all right. So we're talk, we've been talking to you for a little bit now about what you do and how you do and those types of things. So we need to know – what your qualification like how did you get in this position right so it kind of goes back to like you're you're an indie girl like you're yeah. from indianapolis yeah. you played basketball you were pretty darn good at basketball that was okay so you can you can talk yourself up here right now so that's okay so um so tell us a little bit about kind of that progression because you you played big 10 basketball mm -hmm. like you played you played basketball in Indiana, and you were the best of the best. Mm -hmm. You went and played Big Ten basketball, and you've done all these things that you're already talking to all these girls about. So tell us a little bit about your kind of your backstory. All right. Um, so I am a very, 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 very proud graduate of Ben Davis High School, class of 04. Um, love my experience at Ben Davis. I honestly would go back and do it all over again just because I thought high school was one of the best times. Just in life, I played three sports, so I did volleyball, I did basketball, and I did track. Um, and if people are listening, like, that school is, <laughs> it, it, it's the biggest one in Indiana, right? It's, it, it's, it's, it's one of the top. If not, I mean, you got, it's crazy now because a lot of the time, I mean, now, like, the Warren Centers are up there, Pike's up there, Lawrence, no, I mean, so, it, but it's big. I mean, I'm, I'm graduated with a class of about 800, you know, and they got, I mean, they're in Roman now, it's crazy big. Yeah, it's, so, a, it's a big school. And when I was going there, actually, we didn't have, so... But it, the Wayne Township system went K through six, which was your elementary. Then middle school was seven through nine, and then high school was just sophomores, juniors, or seniors. And our high school is still huge. But now they've added on the freshman center, which has created a whole other um, kind of population. But yeah. so I did. I play. I did um, four years at Ben Davis, and like I said, loved it. Got two state championships: one in basketball, one in track. Um, it was just a phenomenal time. And then I went on um, to play at well, University of Wisconsin. In Madison for four years, and then I went on to play three years professionally. I played in Ukraine, I played in Switzerland, and I played in Iceland. And then after that, I went and did a, uh, I was a GA at Auburn for a year. Um, and I guess that's kind of how my coaching story started. Uh, and it was, it was, it's crazy how it happened. Like, nah, I don't even, 
know if it could, nobody could even wrote a story on this. So I literally, I thought I was going to keep playing. You know, I thought I was going to keep playing for a while. I loved it. I had actually had a coaching opportunity while I was playing. I ended up turning that down because I wanted to keep playing. And then I got to a point where the, maybe the offers for me weren't coming in like I thought they were going to keep coming in. Um, I knew I wanted to coach. Um, I just didn't know I was going to start coaching that early. Um, and so I went to the Final Four in Indy that year. And I was out at a gathering. And I'm literally sitting next to um, a lady who we just – and I talk to anybody. Like, it's not hard for me to strike up a conversation. And so I, I'm just talking to her. And she tells me she's about to graduate from Auburn. She's finishing her um, – you know, her GA spot. So I'm like, oh, so you're done. So they're looking for a new one. And she's like, yeah, they are. And I was like, oh, how do you like, what's kind of, what are they looking for? What do you, you know, you got a good word in. She's like, well, give me your contact information and we can just stay in touch. So we trade contact information. And long story short, uh, she hits me back and she's like, you know, Nell Ford was a coach at Auburn at the time. She goes, she wants to talk to you. And I'm like, wow, like, wow. Okay, so Nell and I get on the phone and we talk and come to find out. So Nell, actually, when she was the Indiana Fever coach, my father used to be a practice guy for the Fever when they went to Mika and Stephanie White and all them were still playing. And so Nell knew my dad. And so that was a connection right there. And then so we got to talking and she was like, well, you know, maybe we'll bring you down in about a week or so. We'll do an interview and then we'll see what happens. Okay, cool. So... By 25, I was like, she called me back. She's like, I don't feel like doing the interview, basically. You're hired. And so there it was. Like, I got the, you know, and it was some more, obviously, details into the story, but that's the gist of it. And I got the GA spot at Auburn. Um, was there a year. Um, usually it's a two-year stint. But um, a lady I knew that also was from Indianapolis. She went to North Central. Her name was Kyle Black at the time. Um, it's Kyle Recklix now, but she actually, so when I was at Auburn, she had just got the assistant job back at Wisconsin because they just hired a new coach. I reached out to her on Facebook and was like, hey, congrats, that's awesome. She reached back and says, hey, thanks. If I ever get a head coaching job, know you'll be one of the first people I call. And I'm like, okay, again, one, why me? But all right, cool. Again, don't think nothing of it. I don't know when she wants to become a head coach or anything like that. So Long story short, I'm just finishing my first year as a GA. Nell actually resigns. Um, we get a new coach at Auburn. I don't know if I'm going to be retained, but the new coach did want to retain me as a GA. And then probably about a month later, Kyle actually got the head coach job at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. She kept her word and she hired me. So that's kind of how I started my coaching career. I started two years at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and then came back home to Indianapolis two years at IUPUI. And now um, here at Indiana. And it all, it was all, like I said, Kyle hired me because of, you know, find kind of our connection through Indianapolis. We both played at Wisconsin, Big Ten. Um, I got to know Austin um, when he became the head coach in, at IEPY, just kind of through other people who had worked for him that I knew. And he's, I'm, I'm from Indianapolis. So we kind of got to talking and sit on the road. And then how I knew Coach Morn was when I was my first year out on the road at Milwaukee. One of the guys I work with at Auburn had worked with Coach Morin at Georgia Tech. He introduced me to her. Again, nothing else, nothing. We stayed in touch throughout the years. I see her on the road. I say hi. Relationship just kind of keeps building. And, you know, come to find out about four or five years later, she's offered me a job here. So 
It's nice. kind of how I get here. Nice. I don't know if I'm technically qualified to be here. <laughs> um, well, you guys started winning. You know, numbers, so uh, I, you know I, I just think that she, uh, Coach Moran, you know, one of the big reasons why she wanted to hire me is we just talked about our love and our passion for our home state. Um, we're both Indiana girls. She's from Seymour, Indiana. Um, me being from Indianapolis. But we both left um, and played Big Ten basketball somewhere else. And so we kind of both were like, how can we get girls to love Indiana? And how can we get kids to want to stay home and play for Indiana? And so that was a big passion for us. And that we've, I think we've done a pretty decent job of doing that so far. We got uh, um, some really good ones coming in. And we're going to try to keep getting the best ones, um, you know, to stay home and to stay in our state. And so year in and year out, that's kind of our passion. If you can't be great in your own state, you know, what the heck are you doing? Um, and then obviously we branch out. After that. Important detail about their graduate assistant program. Was it paid? It was. It actually was. So that it wasn't a lot, though. Trust me. It was uh, who? Here's a kit cat in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, so let's just say you, as a graduate assistant, you take advantage of all free meals. You take advantage of all uh, training tables and leftovers. And when usually when coaches say we're going to get lunch, that means they're paying for anybody. So you say yes. If they say, does anybody You're want like five dollars <laughs> down? I'm like, oh, you're so if lucky. anybody okay. says, does anybody want to go get lunch for us? You volunteer to go get it because they usually give you a credit card and they say, hey, mm-hmm. you get yours too. You know, so let's just say it, it pays, but it's one of those where you you might eat a couple couple uh, peanut butter and jellies every now and again if you need to. That's not that bad, but uh, it, it's not a lot. You definitely you definitely do it because you you love it and you want to get um, you want to get into the game. So, okay, I, I had a specific line of questioning that's kind of shrunk a little bit. Oh. But uh, I, I don't get an opportunity to talk to sports people in general mm-hmm. very often, but very specifically uh, from women's sports. And there's a lot of discussion sometimes about the disparity in attendance and other things, mm-hmm. or at least the perception of a difference. Mm-hmm. I always like to get the opinions, when I can, of somebody from that, uh, uh, that right in it and mm-hmm. knows do you really see a disparity? Is is it a matter of they're just not promoting it right, or maybe right was maybe not the right word, but maybe not as much as they could be? Uh, I, I can I can sometimes see. I mean, just in my mm-hmm. mind, being not the sports guy, I can sometimes see where there would be a difference if I'm looking at something as strength related. Football being a good example, I, I I can't always think of wanting to watch somebody that's not just a massive hulk of an individual mm-hmm. on the field. But in basketball, it's not quite the same it's a different body type yeah what do you think so i'm i'm probably in the anomaly of 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 people slash women when it comes to this um because i just let me have my wording correctly you gotta be careful um i try to focus on the people that do come support us and the and the and then so let me let me go back and say is there a discrepancy disparity yes you know like there's you don't have to be. You're not. You have to be blind to see if you go to a men's basketball game in Indiana, they sell out, and I think it's great. You know, I'm all and I'm all for it. I'm usually one who's there supporting. You know, if you come to our games, we're gonna have about let's say four thousand. You know, um, you go to a Pacer game, they're gonna be sold out. You go to a Fever game, not gonna happen. You know, um, and then that's just is it is what it is. You know. Um, and honestly, I'll be very, I don't know if that's going to change. You know, I think it can, you know, because I've seen some women's arenas that do sell out, 
You know, I look at South Carolina a year or two ago. I can't remember. They might have still be leading, like, I mean, they were leading the country in women's attendance. I mean, they were 16, 17,000. And I, I think it can happen. But from an overall perspective, for the women's game to be on the same playing field as men's, I just don't see it happening. But I, I'm not going to say, when I say I'm okay with it, I just, because I don't try to spend my energy on making us men. I don't try to spend my energy on we need equal this, we need equal that. Is it, 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 I just try to focus on how can we be great? How can our women be great? How can I appreciate the fans that are there? You know, instead of worrying about the 10,000 who didn't come, I want to love up and serve and be thankful for the four or 5,000 that did come. Mm. You know, now, granted, was it great walking out to 13,000 on our WNIT championship? It was breathtaking. Would I love to walk out to that every day? Absolutely. If we keep winning, I think that'll happen. You know, that's another thing. You, you, gotta, you know, you have to continue. You got to give people something that they want to see. You know, and so um, there is a disparity. Um, but I don't think it's so horrible that like just nobody's coming to watch us play you know I've, I've been in empty gym before and assembly hall is not empty when it comes to the women so I, I just think that it's the nature of the beast um and i think it, it's going to be have a hard time changing it because at the end of the day there's certain people that don't want to come watch women and again at the end of the day that's okay you know because that's, that's and and it is, but you know what? People get the freedom to choose who they want to go watch. So, again, instead of me complaining about everybody that'd rather go watch football or men's, and, you know, I'm here, what about the family that brings their children out to every game, you know, and have their kid at, at every, looking up to us, asking for autographs and wanting pictures. Like, why not just be more appreciative and spend our energy just kind of praising them for being there versus spinning your wheels, you know. And, and, I, and I think from the marketing standpoint, like, they do a good job for us, you know, like – you always want more. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I mean, men's basketball probably wants more. Football probably wants more. I mean, everybody wants more, you know, but I, I think that they do a great job. And, again, I think you keep putting out the product, they'll take care of itself. I'll tell you what, she's going to be a politician one day. That, that is a very, very good answer. Well, the, if you think about how the attendance could change, so if you say you're getting four or 5,000, you get another 1,000 people, like, that's a huge jump. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like 20% increase. And absolutely. And every that's... year, I feel like we're going in the right direction, you know, and even from where it started, you know, and I, but I've even remember I've said in gyms again where they're talking about thousands. I'm, it ain't 400, you know, it ain't, it ain't 40, you know, and so I just try to be thankful for those. And, you know, do we have our, excuse me, our goals every year? Yeah. Like we go in there, the man, it'd be nice if the lower bowl was full. Okay. You know, think, think. Thinking of realistic, like the lower bowl. Okay, maybe you don't get the whole thing, but maybe the lower bowl. Okay, or now, let's make sure at least they know just empty section. You no, know, things like that. So, and we know, like I said, sometimes it, when on Thursday night, yeah, like, I mean, maybe they're not coming out. Will they go out to a men's game? Yeah, they probably would. But again, it's okay. You know, it'll happen. And for the women's game, it's, it's mainly, it's a family, it's more of a family thing than if the men's game, they'll have student section, things like that. But again, we have a little, so our, our student advisory committee for the, through, through IU or whatever, they come out and they do a great job. We got a couple guys there, they love it, and they're there every game. They're in their candy stripes and they're singing after the game with us. And so you just appreciate those people, you know, versus um, just the ones that are not. But yeah, we can go from 4,000 or 5,000 and now 6,000. Like, I think that's a great uh, step in the right direction. But again, I, I put that on us. I keep, keep winning. Now, people want to see winning. I tell you, lose. Nobody going to come out and watch losers. And I, that's kind of how I talk to them. So that's their motivating fact. They yeah. want to play in front of somebody, win. Play hard. 
play the game right. You know, do things, go do community service. Like, again, that's one thing our Frathar games, you know, um, our coach puts 20 minutes on the clock and gives us a chance to interact with the fans. And I'll tell and that's win or lose. So win or lose, you're out interacting, signing autographs. Be kind, build relationships, be open, be transparent, invite these kids back, you know, and so that's how that's how we're gonna continue to build our fan base. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Um now we've talked a lot about work, right? Okay. So basketball, all those types of things. <laughs> so now why don't we try to dig into a little bit of the non work stuff? Okay. Now the big one, of course, is Related to work, and we've kind of heard the story a little bit already from the gentleman sitting right behind you. Yeah, but my bodyguard. Yeah, your bodyguard. <laughs> so you met your bodyguard here. I did at at uh, on campus. I at, did at a at an event, right? It, it was a yeah. it was a passing kind of type thing. So initially, okay. initially, yeah. So we'll go back and we'll have to collaborate his version versus yeah. mine and see mm. which one is actually. Absolutely right. So if you got some technology where you can mess these stories, let's see what one's lined up. But no, I think long story short, uh, so Paul and I, we were at an all-staff meeting. Being of the year, Fred Glass puts on one every year, and we were in a serving line. And again, I talked to everybody. Let's say if you're Paul, he's coming across, his head's down, he's kind of just doing this thing. And I'm just like, hey, you know, he's new. I'm not, I mean, I think he's new. I don't care. I'll just say hi. You know, and so we speak, and it's quick, and that's it. It's done. And so... Um, then after that, uh, I think we had a couple interactions in our dining hall, um, I, but I think I was on the phone, maybe on at least one or two of them, and he's like, hey, coach, hey, coach, and we and it's quick. I probably said hi first because I doubt he <laughs> was speaking first, <laughs> and so we gave a quick passing, and it's funny, so one of his coworkers was married to one of my old teammates, and so they both, I think... Casey was talking to Paul a little bit like, hey, you know, this woman's basketball coach, yada, yada, yada. And then for me, there was different conversations. I was, you know, girl talk like, hey, you know, there's this new football, you know, strength coach, da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's, you know, so I knew I knew he was. I'm assuming he knew who I was. And so we had a couple interactions um, throughout the hallways or whatever in the dining hall. And look up, come in, it's now it's November. And I get a Facebook request. And I... I actually have two Facebook accounts. So I have a personal one. I have a, a business one. He added me on my business one. And so I'm just like, okay, he's not IU coach. Like, I'm just, I, I accept. Because I'm like, whatever. You know, he's probably, I wish him good luck. I do every coach good luck. I shout out. I try to support every team. So he sends me a message. They're about to play Purdue. I reach out and say, hey, you know, I probably said kick Purdue's, you know, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> and so there you go. Yeah, there kick, you go. Kick the bucket. There you go. <laughs> and so... He responds back, thanks, whatever, and then, you know, a couple of minutes, when's your next game? And so my next game happened to be in, like, a day or two. It was, like, that Wednesday. He's like, oh, okay. And, I'm, and I might ask, had he ever been to one or something? Or he might have just told me he was coming. Can't remember. But anyway, long story short, I knew he was coming to the game. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, okay. Um, and so I told my friend again, little girl, like, I'm like, girl, he's coming to the game. And she's, you know, you know, she's, he might make sure you cute. I'm like, first of all, I'm always cute. Let's get that disclaimer out there. <laughs> so, anyway. <clears throat> so, we play the game. We win the game. I see him there. And then I see him waiting after the game. And I'm like, okay. Like, I guess I'm supposed to go talk to him if he's waiting after the game, you know. So, my, I'm going to go to my friend. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, girl, he waiting for the after the, you know. She's like, go say hi. So, anyway, we go say hi. We talk a little bit. 
his family's coming to town for Thanksgiving. I'm going home in Indianapolis for Thanksgiving. And so we part our ways, you know, hey, enjoy your family. And so I'm about to leave. So I tell my friend, I'm like, I'm about to leave. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, am I supposed to keep, like, how does this work? Because I don't, the Facebook I was talking to him on, I didn't use every day or whatever. So long story short, she's like, just give me a number and tell him, like, you're not going to be around every day. I'm like, I ain't giving him my number, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. She's like, just give me a number. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So I get back on Facebook. And I'm like, hey, just so you know, like, because we had been going back and forth in our messenger. And I'm like, just so you know, I don't really check this one every day. So if you want something, boom, here's my number. So, yes, I did give him my number first. Um, That's the dream. And <laughs> um, again, not thinking anything coming up. I'm oblivious. I'm thinking that this is nothing. And we'll come to find out, though, he kind of had a game plan. The whole time. Mm. I had no idea. I'm just, Thank yeah. So I get home and I get a text. And he's like, go be made home safe or something like that. And I'm like, thanks. Wow. All right. So he says that. Exchange a couple messages again the next day. I get like, good morning. How are you? I'm like, whoa. All right. Well, how are you? I'm good. You know, keep going back. And I'm like, you know me. I'm kind of, I'm like, guys, I kind of have my. Have my low standard for guys, not gonna lie. I'm like, this ain't gonna last long. It's gonna be like two messages and he ain't gonna be able to hold a conversation. We're gonna be done. I ain't gotta worry about this going on. But he keeps it up. Like he's kinda we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Again, long story short, those text messages then turn into a phone call. And then the phone call kinda turns into so where do you go to church? And then the where you go to church turns out where you end up at church together on a Saturday. And then we end up at church together and then we end up on our first date. And then the rest is kind of history. And so he actually, um, he actually kind of, my mother always told me if a guy wants something from you, you never, you won't have to beg. You won't have to ask. He'll show you. He'll tell you. He'll show you. You'll know. There won't be any games or anything like that. And that's actually what Paul did. He was very straightforward. Um, he was very respectful with it. But he was also like, he he made efforts. Like he was even, um, it was, I remember forget, it was a big ice storm. And in Bloomington, I shouldn't have a huge ice storm, but whatever. My apartment complex was like iced over. Like super icy. Um... And so, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, then I won't, I just won't see him. Like, it's cool. Like, he's like, well, I can drive him to the top and then walk down. I was like, you don't really have to do that. Like, he's like, no, I want to. So he did. He parks at the top of my apartment, walks all, and I'm in the back. He walks all the way down the back just to come see me, stay for like an hour, and then walk. And he did that, I think, twice, two days in a row. And then, so just little things like that. Like, he, I was like, wow, like, this guy is serious. Like, because at first, I'm, again, I'm just like, whatever, like, I ain't got time for this, I'm working, I'm busy, and he was just kind of very persistent, and so we we did that for, I guess, courting, or whatever you want to call it, I think we did that for about a month, so we did that to, from about that Thanksgiving, um, up until right about Christmas, and then he kind of, he sat me down for the serious talk, you know, <laughs> and so we started, I guess, officially dating right around uh, New Year's, um, it was funny, because all my family came to a game for New Year's Eve, and I hadn't told my parents yet um, that we were, I was, like, dating, I hadn't told anyone that I was dating someone, because um, I had told myself next no, next time I'm not telling, I don't have time for people's opinions or nothing, so I didn't tell anybody. And so he comes to my game, and he, I thought my my family was gone. And all of a sudden, he comes out of the court to talk to me, and then my dad, like, walks up on me, and I'm like, 
And me, I'm like, what? Dad, this is Paul. Like, uh, no, I guess my boyfriend. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I yeah, that's him. <laughs> so my dad was like, all right. And he just was like, whatever, you know. And so, and then my aunt sends me a message later. She's like, who's that guy who kept looking at you across the gym? I'm like, you put private for what are you talking about? She's like, I know, I know when a guy is checking a girl out. He, the whole time, every step you took, he knew who you was. I was like, are you people insane? You know, and so I was like, my family's crazy. They all saw you in the game. And he's like, so? He's like, I was like, wait, you've been telling people? He was like, yeah, I've been telling my parents. I was like, oh, I guess it's time for me to have that conversation with mine. So anyway, and so my, you know, long story short, and then nine months later, um, he proposed. And so the rest is kind of history. So I think our stories line up at some point mm-hmm. um, within there. But... Um, I wanted to prepare cue cards, you know, be like the, the dating game, but you know, I just ran out of time. <laughs> hey, you could have. That would you want to make some up on the fly. You can, you know, we're all we're yeah. all about the impromptu. But yeah, so that's kind of life outside of basketball for me. And uh, so yeah, we've been married over a year now, and we actually are expecting our first child in September. September, so, yeah. September thirtieth. So that's been our story. It's been great. It's been a blessing um, from God for sure. And uh, I'm so thankful uh, to have him in my life. Now, have you, you've had, obviously, some of the appointments. Now, do you know what you're having? We don't. We're going to find out on game day. So, come delivery day, the doctor will put the child in our arm and say, here's your son or daughter. So, we're not going to find out. It's going to be a surprise. Is there going to be a neutral company? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty, it's pretty boring and hard, too. I'm not going to lie. We actually went shopping and did some baby registry stuff today. And he picks some up, or I pick some up. I'm like, that's ugly, or that doesn't belong on a boy. That couldn't go on a girl. That put it down. And so, I'm, my mom is already convinced that if we go to the hospital and I have a girl, she's leaving the hospital that day and going shopping. So we're covered there. And if we have a boy, she's like, put it on the onesie, some shorts, and t-shirt. He'll be all right. Yeah. So, and I already have. I have two nephews too. So we got hand-me-downs on the way. So and my. I have two cousins and a god sister who's having uh, boys, so I'm like, you know, if I boy, we have some hand me down. So yeah, we'll those are the the perfect thing. Like Either way, like, we'll survive at least a couple until we can start going to buy some stuff on our own. Yeah, and then diapers, they don't matter. They don't care. They, what they, they don't care what they are, as long as, as they get, keep them dry. As long as you got a hundred, a couple hundred of those at home, you'll be good. Absolutely. Well, for a week, maybe. For a week, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was so funny. We were out. He goes. He's like, why is baby stuff so expensive? I'm like, get ready. <laughs> Man, that's why we're not having many of them. <laughs> yeah. Just, if you, have, if you have the baby shower, they give you cool things, it's, it's cool. But if they give you boxes of, like, the 100-count diapers, yeah. like, and they're the, the threes or, the like, the ones you don't need now, and then six months later you have, like, oh, my gosh, there's that gigantic box that's in there that we got during the baby shower. Yeah. Yes, like, those are the crucial <laughs> There you go. That's so forget the registry for everything else. Just do diapers, right? Diapers. I'm going to wait for the very fun and awkward point where the child will have a small basketball and a small football in front of them. And you must earn the love of one of them. <laughs> wisely. There you go. And then they go over and they pick up golf clubs. <laughs> well, you know. Done. You know what you're go. So do you, do you have more for our fabulous guest? Or should we take a moment to talk about our new thing that we just started recently. You can go ahead and talk about that. You're good at that. We'll, we'll, we'll take just a moment uh, before we get back to the to the conversation <coughs> to mention uh, a new service, or maybe not a new service so much as a, a new aspect to the Pudding Guys podcast. 
we now have a Patreon page. Support the Pudding Guys. Help us get excellent guests like the Constantines. Help us approach the convention circuit to find other really cool people to talk to. Help us, uh, help us help you. Help us help you. Yes, that's what it is. You know, it's been help, many movies. Help us to help you. Yes. That's right. That's right. It's, and it's only $1 per month, and you can help us fund this fabulous operation. So visit us on Patreon, and soon we may be having a few more other things, uh, some potential swag options, some T-shirts, some other things, but uh, that's a little down the road. Okay. <laughs> and now we're back. Okay. So the questions kind of pertain to how that dynamic is going to work with you know, with coaching yeah. come September, October, yeah. and November, yeah, right? So, like, that's the meat. That's for both, like, for both of you. Yeah. Like, that's... Kind of a, it's kind of a coin toss. You know, we're kind of, we don't know. <laughs> we don't, you know, it's kind of, it's hard to prepare for something that's not here yet. You know, I think for now, it's me trying to figure out how long maternity leave I want to take. Um, and he'll be in the middle of the season. And then it's for him, like, one season's over, depending on how much paternity leave he wants to take. And then just kind of figuring out some daycare situations, some options, and then just seeing how it works. You know, I don't. we may not like it. You know, we may not like both being gone a lot. We may be like, oh, this is, this is fine. You know, and so I think for us, at least, we want to go through a year and kind of see how that works. Um, and we'll have help. I mean, his parents will be down here for a little bit. When we first have the baby, my family's right up the road. I think his parents will find probably find more trips to come down. Yeah. You know, I got I got coworkers that are literally amazing and all they keep talking about is how much help they're gonna be and my my friend Brie on staff, she literally give me a baby carrier I can carry, give me this, I got this, I got the baby on the road, you know, and so everybody has been um truly supportive. Coach Moore in the same way. She's like, you know, Janice, whatever we need to do for you guys. You know we're here for and, and things of that nature so it's gonna kind of be a trial and error this first year to kind of see yeah. what works what doesn't um and then we'll kind of go from there maybe you have to have us back in a year to kind of figure yeah, out how that happens. yeah get the follow-up <laughs> having grandma and grandpa's close is um Fantastic. crucial sure, right. yeah it is i honestly i'm not gonna lie a little i know it sounds very selfish but i wish they all lived in bloomington but um, that that's my take. I think I think Paul's okay with them all kind of being a little bit of a of a of a, of a distance. <laughs> but I'd have them all here in Bloomington around the corner if I could. <laughs> we need a very specific picture down the road though. Once the baby, then you got that little little chest strap thing that the guys wear. Him, put the oh, baby yeah. on the front. Mm-hmm. I want to see him on one of those football things. You know where where the linemen are pushing forward. <laughs> you know, the, the baby's just like right in front there. Oh, push. There you go. The, the the baby Bjorn. Is that what is that what it's still called now? I don't even know what it's called. Yeah, we're still learning all that too. He found out what a bassinet was today, so we're learning things. Oh. Uh, they call that an awful bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. Yeah, and, yeah. My my memories of that are a little more recent than your memories of that. I would say. Oh but, yeah, yeah. yeah but that's okay. <laughs> I still have fun memories. Uh, maybe maybe that's because uh, the brunt of the work did not fall to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of guilty of that too. Okay, so the last couple things that I had were we always tend like. Part of our podcast tend to delve into music and movies and things okay. like that. So um, tell us about, you know, your, we'll, we'll start with music. Like, what is your music or your favorite band or your favorite style of music? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I guess of my favorite, um, 
probably more the, the Christian gospel realm. So I love some Christian hip hop, Cray, Andy Minio, KB. Um, but love your tra traditional gospel as well. Your Kirk Franklin's, your Mary Marys. I love Hillsong, United, um, things like that. So that's probably my favorite. Um, but I listen to R&B um, as well. I listen to some hip hop, a little pop, and that's about it. I'm not gonna lie, and I'm not. I don't really do country. I don't do jazz. I don't do rock and roll. I don't. I don't. That's not me. Not knocking it. Hey, if you want to do it, great. I'll suffer through it if I have to when our girls are listening to some of it. But no uh, <laughs> But that's kind of so. Those are my. I guess if I had to do a top three, it'd be kind of that gospel, Christian, uh, rap, R and B, and hip hop. All right, but you're going to the gym, right? Yeah. You're going to hop on the treadmill or you're going to hit the weights. You know, maybe not right now. Yeah. No, uh, I actually still am. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're, a strong woman. You're going <laughs> to put something on your headphones. Yeah. What are those things that really, like, this is my, this may not be my favorite. This may not be yeah. my. No, it'll favorite. be, yeah, it'll be like a like something mixed with like Lecrae and Andy. So it's some Christian hip hop, so. Sometimes I feel like I still got a good beat, good tempo, mm -hmm. but the words are not too crazy for me. I don't feel like I'm in a crazy dark place, but <laughs> it's still pretty positive, pretty uplifting. Um, so that that that's probably my ninety five percent go to would be like I said that Lecrae Andy kind of style, kind of mix. I got a couple on my on my playlist that I listen to, rotate through. Okay. Well, so he's got the music, so I'm going to go the nerd route. Um, we talked a little bit uh, to Mr. Constantine about this when he was here. Uh, has he managed to drag you to any of the comic book movies <laughs> as of yet? I wouldn't say drag. I think I have willingly volunteered um, since we started dating. I, but I will say I have learned. It's like a class, I feel like. Um, I I guess I had knew about Marvel and heard about Marvel, but like not to the extent that he has kind of pulled me into. I... You know, I mean, I had like saw the Avengers, but it was just a movie to me. It was just, you know, I had saw, you know, the Hulk and Iron Man and they were just movies. You know, I didn't realize it was the dark secrets and fan clubs and like all these things that come into comics, you know. And so, you know, when I got with him, I, I was like. Is he serious? Like I didn't realize, and I and again I I didn't realize that Batman was in a whole different. I don't even know what John. I don't even know what is it just genre? Is it a different? Like what a company? Yeah. You got DC, you got Marvel, and I didn't realize if you mix the two, that was like a crime. Like whatever, you know. And so, <laughs> but I have his his dad always reminds me that I am a part of the the Constantine family now, and they are Marvel people, and so I am now Marvel. So I'm. I'm I'm sold. Uh, I do like it. I enjoy it. I actually made it through uh, Endgame. Um, oh, excellent! And I made it with no bathroom breaks, which was whew. That's very. I deprived myself of no drinking or eating throughout the whole thing, though, and that never happens. Um, to say your bladder's just getting yeah, smushed yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah. tough. It was tough. I didn't think I was gonna make it. Uh, the first time we saw Infinity War, though, I fell asleep. Um, which he was highly disappointed in me. I think he was embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> um, I, yeah, it was so long. I got, it was so long. So then we ended up watching it. We we bought the movie again, which of course you have to buy, and you have to buy Blu-ray, and you have to buy the best ones, and, and all that kind of stuff. So we watched it, and I was like, oh, wow, that happened. He's like, yeah, it's when you fell asleep, so whatever. 
Made to that. Uh, I saw Black Panther. Uh, supposedly, I fell asleep. Well, not supposedly, because it, it did happen. Thor Ragnarok. I guess yeah. that movie. I fell asleep. Um, and I haven't even went back to watch that. I just fell asleep. Saw Captain Marvel. Made it through that. Um, saw Deadpool. Yeah. But I heard this. I don't even know if that's really Marvel or not or whatever. Again, yeah, I ain't. Okay. So I made it through that. I think those are the ones I've seen so far. That I've made it through. Have you, have um, you become a convert? Uh, have, has your interest been spurned, or is it? Is it like, oh, uh, it's okay. I mean, it's good. I'm not reading. I'm not reading about it. I'm not doing comics. I'm not listening to podcasts. I'm not doing like he does all that. Like he like he's invested. Like they they are. He doesn't even like watch trailers. Like so when trailers come on. Mm. Mute it, turn it off, turn the channel, close your eyes, don't watch it. I'm all about it because I need to know what's going on. But I, um, so I would say I like it. I'm not, if I had to, st- if I stopped watching it tomorrow, though, I'd be okay. <laughs> but I do like it. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, the Spider Man that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. I don't know if we're going to see this new X-Men one come out or not. I don't even know what that's called. Some uh, violence, maybe. Yeah, I'm not even close. There you go. See, I embarrass when I say things like that. But I was going to call it dark violence. <laughs> but I guess it's dark violence. <laughs> I told you, I'm, I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm far off the radar. But uh, I'm learning. I'm trying. Has he taken you to the mecca uh, of the comic book experience yet? Has, I don't has think he so. taken you to the local comic book shop, the life, no. blood, the heart, the no. heart and soul I, of He comics. probably knows I'd probably not be interested. I'd probably <laughs> go there and <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> and so, I yeah, I'm, I, and I'm learning. I'm like, I feel like I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Like, I know characters now. Like, I know, except I called your thing on top of Thanos' glove, and he told me it was something, a, a technical term. I thought it was just right. Thanos' glove. He told me it was an Infinity Gauntlet. You know, I just know those the jewels represent something. Yeah. And so, hey, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm learning. I, I got I got the Thors down, Captain America, I got Iron Man. But, like, I don't know the real Like, he knows the real names, and he knows this. And, uh, it's just too much. It's like holding a class. You can get a degree in comic book or Marvel or whatever. It's it is. probably true. <laughs> I might, I might look into that. <laughs> I bet some college somewhere offers it as like a an undergraduate uh, English degree you, with concentration in comic books. All yeah. three, you could probably get your PhDs. <laughs> well, I'll take an associate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of us been immersed a little longer than others. Yeah. So, well, um, have you run out of things to ask? Yeah, we've. <laughs> Hit up the majority of the little chicken scratches that I have there on this little tiny itty bitty piece of paper. Yeah, all my scratches are on the inside. They're on my brain. And there you go. Actually, that sounds like a bad medical condition. Mm, so yes. that. But uh, we just want to thank you very Absolutely. much for taking the time to Absolutely. talk to us. We've, uh, we've enjoyed running into you outside of this environment, and we... Uh, we knew that as soon as we got the opportunity, it would be a, a fun conversation. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I'm glad our schedule allowed for it, and hopefully I'll answer all your questions to the best of my abilities and oh, to yeah. where the followers will be entertained and the viewers. Hopefully I wasn't boring. Um, hopefully I brought some life to the to the, uh, to the the event, and uh, I'll, I'll look forward to it. If you guys, like I said, we want to do a follow-up, and uh, we'll do this after this again. That'd be really fun. Well, until the next time, don't forget to check us out on our website, www.everybodylovespudding.com. You can go to the forums. There is occasionally one really sad person in the forums. We have to bring more people in to talk 
And, one and person. <laughs> one person. Maybe maybe it's me. I don't know. But we are also on social media on Facebook at Pudding Guys. We are on Twitter at Real Pudding Guys. We are on Instagram at Pudding Guys. You can see our fantastic skills at mowing lawns. In, in, in the <laughs> yes, there's a five-second five video of me mowing uh, the lawn on there. It's great. Though upcoming here, I don't know exactly when we're going to air this, and so it will probably be after we've already done this, but... Upcoming, not too far from the point that you hear this uh, particular episode, you will probably be in line to hear some of our entertaining romps through Indianapolis during the time of Indie Pop Con, or possibly our time at Origins. Uh, we are going to have a, a bevy of really interesting people to talk to, so we really hope that you can join us on that as he attempts to take a really fun selfie in the oh, background. Yeah. But until next time, thank you for putting people. <laughs>